acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wooden. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we draw closer to Juneteenth on June 19th, the anniversary of the day when enslaved people in Texas were emancipated, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, we offer a remarkable story of the black residents of a small town in Florida who fought for their right to vote a century ago. This three-part limited series is brought to you by Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble believes that words alone won't create change, but stories do. Seek, share, and expect the whole truth of black life. Widen the screen to widen our view. Our grandmother was one of the most bravest Mm. females. Mm -hmm. And and the word brave is probably not strong enough. Mm -hmm. She was not afraid of anything, nor anybody. Nobody. That's Janice Nelson and her brother, Pastor Stephen Nunn. Their grandmother was Caritha Perry Caldwell. She was a constant presence in their lives growing up in Tampa, Florida. She just decided for whatever reason to talk to Steve and I when we were kids to just, you know, tell us this story, really. The story of what happened in Caritha's hometown of Coe, Florida, on Election Day, 1920. I remember driving over to her home that particular morning uh, because I wanted her to make me breakfast. Uh, she had the old iron skillet pan and she would fry up some uh, rib bacon and grits and eggs. Here's what Caritha Perry wanted her grandchildren to know. When she was a teenager, her father, Julius July Perry, and his good friend Mose Norman were prosperous landowners. They were leaders of the sizable black community in a central Florida town called Ocoee. On election day 1920, Mose Norman tried to vote. A few hours later, an armed white mob surrounded the Perry's family farmhouse. Caritha Perry told her grandchildren that before long, the white men were 
shooting into the house. It was surreal. I, I really, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And yet I knew it was real. It makes sense to me now. Then it didn't really make sense. You know, I knew this, I knew it happened, but I just didn't take that in at that time as a child. I couldn't, I couldn't phantom all of that. Caritha told them she was shot in the arm. She wanted me to know about the bullet wound. So she would always show me and point to it. And then, of course, after she did that, she would tell me, um, you know, about what took place. I saw her pain, but I also knew she wanted me to know how courageous she was. And she was willing to stay there next to her dad <laughs> to the death if it, if it was going to take that. She had every intent uh, to do that. It hurt her, and yet it drove her also to be very angry, and she did not really want to mention the name of Okoye or ever return to Okoye again. I'm Eugene S. Robinson. You're listening to the Election Day Massacre from Ozzy Media. A warning, this episode contains graphic descriptions of racial violence. sort of a confrontation when they knew that July Perry and Mose Norman were among the activists involved in voting. So the attention of the white people sort of uh, focused on them. Marvin Dunn is the author of A History of Florida Through Black Eyes. The initial group that went out was led by a man named Sam Salisbury, who was a well-known white man, very popular man, uh, not a law enforcement officer, but was deputized to go out and find out what happened to the polls. Sam Salisbury was a veteran, a former Army colonel. Marvin Dunn says a heavily armed white man he led to July Perry's farmhouse called themselves a posse. Paul Ortiz, a historian at the University of Florida, did seminal research on the incident. In a sense, what they're trying to do is pacify him, to kind of take him out of the equation. They feel if they can silence him, then they can stop all this voting nonsense and save white supremacy. What happened at July Perry's house? Why, why did it get so violent so quickly? Pamela Schwartz, chief curator of the Orange County Regional History Center, put together a major exhibition of the Ocoee massacre. Who actually shot who? Who actually said what? There's so many different versions. July Perry's daughter, Caritha, Janice Nelson and Stephen Nunn's grandmother, was inside the house when the mob showed up. She told me that at a certain point in time, uh, some of the white residents, um, men of the uh, city of Okoye came to their home and basically made a demand for her father to come outside and they wanted to talk. I've always owned a gun and, you know, I grew up in a gun culture. And, you know, if someone comes up to my doorstep and tells me that I need to, to come out of my house unarmed, and they want to talk with me, um, that's a threat. And when Sam Salisbury uh, demanded July Perry to come out of his house, Perry came out of his house and um, asked to go back inside to get his coat. And that's when this, this uh, struggle ensued. Someone attempted to force their way in, and there was some gunfire, both from um, those outside of the house firing in and from her and her father inside of the house firing out. She said that the gunfire was so great that you could see the bullet tracers 
um, coming through all angles in the house, just flying all over the place. Caritha was not the only person shot that night. Her father was shot multiple times. He uh, told her that he wanted her to get her mother and the children out of the house. Caritha's mother, Estelle, was not in good health. Caritha's brothers and sister were young children. I felt like he was saying, you know what? I'm the captain of the ship here. And so guess what? You guys go get out if you can. But I've got to stay. I, I think even if he hadn't been wounded, he, he, he was going to stay and fight to the bitter end no matter what. She re recalls asking uh, herself and him, you know, how we're going to get out because they were surrounded. And he said, pray and the Lord will show you a way. And she said she started praying and said, Lord, help us to get out of here. Help me to get my mom and my, my brothers and sister out of here. And she said um, there was a cat hole or some type of an open in the bottom of the door. She lifted the little hatch and she said that there was a beam of light, like from the moon, but it was just this beam of light that shined a path through this particular high growth or cornfield. And she said they proceeded on their stomachs to crawl through that um, path that had been illuminated. And she said, while they were calling, she said, um, we could see the feet of the men who were surrounding the home. Some of them, we could literally see their feet and we could hear them talking and, and still firing. And yet um, they never saw us. Caritha, Estelle and the children escaped through the field. Members of the white mob would later claim that, quote, 37 armed Negroes, end quote, participated in the shootout. But it's more likely that it was just the Perry family and a couple of hired hands who held off the assailants. At least six members of the white mob were wounded in the gun battle. Two others died. They were killed by friendly fire. Other white men shot through the house and killed their comrades. And I found this out by examining the funeral home records of the men who were buried, uh, which included a note from the sheriff documenting that the men had been killed by friendly fire. It's one of the few records of what happened that night. You know, there's all of these details that we'll never factually know. There's just no way because no records and accounts were kept. No full investigation was done. Perry's family made it to safety, but not for long. July Perry's wife and daughter, Estelle and Caritha, respectively, are captured. They're taken to the jail in Tampa. Caritha and Estelle were charged with murdering the two members of the white mob who were killed. The charges were eventually dropped, but not before Caritha and her mother had spent a month in jail. She said they came in and uh, told them that they were free to go, but to never, ever uh, return to uh, Okoye again. Years later, Caritha Perry was asked by an Orlando newspaper if she had ever gone back to Okoye. She replied, no, God, I don't ever want to see it, not even on a map.
This three-part limited series is brought to you by Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble believes that words alone won't create change, but stories do. Seek, share, and expect the whole truth of black life. Widen the screen to widen our view. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin. and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 1920, Mildred Board was a little girl in the next town over, Apopka, Florida. Ms. Board has since passed away, but she recorded an oral history a few years ago. We're playing excerpts of it, courtesy of the Orange County Regional History Center. It's one of just a few first-hand accounts of the events of that election day. The night of the riot, Mose Norman came to this house. And I remember that he had on a night shirt. And I don't know whether my dad came with him or he got that far and they brought him on here. And my dad said to him, well, Mose, how did you get out of Okoy? He said, just like a rabbit in the wind. I shall never forget it. Mose Norman escaped from Okoye in his car. There were reports that he eventually settled up north in New York City. July Perry did not escape. He made it out of the farmhouse into a nearby sugarcane field, but he was soon discovered. His little dog betrayed him. When uh, July Perry was shot, he went down in, in the cane patch. And Jip was the little dog's name. 
he went down and barked. And that's when the mob found him in the cane patch. The deputized mob arrested Perry. There's so many different stories. They shot him there, but they supposed to have carried him, I thought, to the um, police station in Okoye. But you know, as I can remember, there wasn't a police station in Okoye. More likely, July Perry was taken to the police station in Orlando, a much bigger town. Word gets to Orlando, as far away as Orlando, uh, that there's a Negro uprising, but that's a code for Negroes are trying to vote. And so carloads of white people began uh, mobilizing from as far away as Orlando uh, and made drive to Ocoee. There's an electronic signboard in, in Orlando, and it's used on election day. But not only to tally votes. But then someone changes that signboard to direct people to Ocoee. Fifty carloads of white men from Orlando descended on the black neighborhoods in Ocoee. It, it's like, you know, I'm a third generation military veteran. And so w when I look at places like Ocoee, I see intelligence, I see supply, uh, I see planning. And what I mean by this is that carloads of white individuals, many of them start from Orlando and they drive all the way into Ocoee and they knew who to target. They knew who the leadership was. drive to Ocoee, and they began to torch and burn and, and loot and pillage this, this entire you know, community. That evening and into the night, white vigilantes set fire to black people's homes, businesses, and churches in Ocoee. They shot at people trying to escape the flames. I mean, basically, people are defending their homes as this white you know, paramilitary operation is tearing through their their, their neighborhoods. People put up a, de a defense uh, in, in Ocoee. They don't just lay down and, and, and offer themselves up to the, to, to the firing squad, if you will. But we could smell. Somebody said, well, how could you smell the smoke? I said, I can smell the smoke coming from Africa. <laughs> so it was something that you could smell the smoke. <laughs> You knew something was going on. It's one of the most dramatic days in American history all across the state. You know, what, what happens in Florida is really an example. It's kind of a metaphor for American, you know, American history in 1920. The systematic purging, uh, ethnic cleansing uh, of black people, that's really the outcome. We don't like to use the term ethnic cleansing unless we can use it in Eastern Europe, right? We don't like to use the word pogrom unless we can use it in, in you know, in Africa or, you know, someplace else. But it, it happens here. There is no way we will ever factually probably know how many Black people were killed that night. Records were intentionally not kept. Given the current research, we as historians will say that at least four Black people were murdered. But many accounts put the death toll much higher. Between 30 and 60 Black residents were killed. 
historian Marvin Dunn. They burned a whole section of the black community. Uh, we don't know if there were folks burned up in those houses or not. Probably there were. Basically, you had a choice. You can leave and get shot or you can stay and burn. Uh, and they burned to death and they were put in pauper's caskets and buried in a mass grave. Once uh, the white mob started burning people's homes and churches, uh, people left. Every single Black person in Ocoee that night, living or visiting, lost something. Their sense of safety, their home, their property, whether they were a renter or a landowner, um, sometimes their life. Those who survived the flames and gunfire escaped into the surrounding swamps. The Florida Times Union reported the next day that Black survivors were seen walking along highways many miles from Ocoee. In the weeks and months that followed, virtually every single Black person fled the town. And, and they looked like refugees from, from a war zone. That, those, those are the, the descriptions we have of people leaving in wagons with all of their possessions. White people lining the roads, cheering, jeering. You lost, we won. A day that had begun with hopes of a better life and a stronger democracy in Florida came to an almost unthinkable end as Okoe burned into the night. Back in Orlando, another violent crowd had gathered. July Perry is in mortal danger. In the jail in Orlando, he uh, is taken by a lunch mob. Pamela Schwartz. He is brutalized. There are many versions of what happened to him. Some very, very descriptive and graphic. But he is taken, he is lynched, he's hanged. If you leave a popka and go to the country club road a block from Colonial, there was an oak tree. I don't know whether it's the same oak tree, but there is a big oak tree right now. They are tying him up and let him hang from that tree for a while. The tree was near the entrance to the Orlando Country Club, by some accounts, in view of the house of John Cheney, a white judge who tried to help black citizens of Ocoee vote. The story went that July was intentionally hanged, um, you know, in view of Cheney's house, but that it was across this lake and it was up by Country Club. At the time, the way the trees and everything were, like when we look back at historic photos of that lake and different things, like. I don't think anybody could have seen anything from the judge's house. So I think that that is a thing that became part of the lore. But there was an unmistakable message. That's what lynching was about. Historian Paul Ortiz. It was really about sending a lesson to the entire black and white and Hispanic communities, you know, whether it was in the Southwest or in Florida, wherever. We're in charge here and we don't follow the law. We are the law. A local black undertaker took down Perry's corpse from the tree the next day. Oh, had done so many things to his body. There wasn't too much left hanging because they had just cut his body up in pieces. But they took whatever they could, and I'm sure they embalmed him and they buried him. The terror inflicted on the black citizens of Ocoee didn't end with election day. The story has always gone that 
everybody left immediately. The black community left, they never came back. The story after is far more nuanced and horrific, I think personally, um, than that. There's an official cover-up that goes on for decades after the event. There's just so, so much to the story. I think the most horrific thing is that we don't know and we don't know by design. By design, we don't have records. We don't have names for the people who were killed. We don't know what homes burned and which ones don't. We don't know what happened to people and where they went. What we do know is that the terror in Ekoi was not carried out only by people in masks and robes. Much of it was committed openly. And the campaign to keep black people from voting in Florida was not limited to anonymous letters from the Ku Klux Klan. Editorials were printed in the most prominent newspapers in the state. When the Orlando Sentinel, the Miami Herald say that white supremacy, that our foundation, the foundation of our civilization, white supremacy is in, is in danger, we have to take them seriously. And when we take them seriously, we realize that they're going to do anything they can to break up any challenge to their power system. And this is why so many white people descend upon a color because they're trying to send a lesson to that not only are you not going to vote today, you're never going to vote. What happened in Ekoe was not just about one election. What happened next would take years to orchestrate and execute. In part three of the Election Day Massacre. Where did everybody go? And then you look for the families and the histories and you try to find where they are today and you can't find people. You can't find them. They just lost and gone. Nobody's ever held responsible in any way, shape, or form for what happens at Ocoee. It was government-supported land up. The scripture says, thou shall not steal. They stole it and they need to give it back. This episode of Flashback, The Election Day Massacre was written by Sean Braswell and voiced by me, Eugene S. Robinson. It was produced by Maeve McGoran and Iore Odigizua. Chris Hoff engineered our show. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! 
Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.